Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Tennis Fan List podcast on the sunny shores of Miami. It's me, Marcus Alley, hosting, and I'm joined by Michael Gillett, returned to his home residence in order to record and give his exciting verdict on the action down in America. Yeah, I wish the sunny shores of Miami were my home residence, uh, but I'm afraid that's not the case. Um, been a very good week of tennis, and uh, we're looking at Already, um, with not even the last two quarterfinals played, we're looking at a new Masters 1000 winner, um, which is always a really exciting prospect. Yeah, I hadn't actually, uh, I, I hadn't actually uh, thought of that. Now, you, now you mention it. Yeah, very exciting prospect. And like we said right at the at the start of the tournament in our last episode, it is a massive opportunity presenting itself for some players to get some big chunks of ranking points and really, really kick on in in what is probably the biggest tournament of the season outside of the Australian Open so far. We're going to start by looking ahead to tonight's quarterfinals. And definitely in the, they're both at the bottom bottom half of the draw, but the top of the bottom half of the draw, we've got one of the surprise packages, surprise packages of the tournament, despite us being well aware of this player. Sebastian Corder, at just 20 years old, has made his way into the last eight of a Masters, ranked 87 in the world. So, you know, a really impressive achievement on its own, um, no matter how he should get on tonight. He faces Andrei Rublev, the Russian player, of course, has been outstanding, dominating really the tour, particularly on the hard courts outside the Grand Slams in the last year or so. Although having said that, of course, has never won a Masters title. So definitely have his sights firmly set on that with the top seed, Daniil Medvedev, losing out last night. But yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but mainly looking ahead to tonight's match, starting with the American versus the Russian Rublev quarter. Is that a really good week? Um, I thought he might have come unstuck against the experience of Fabio Fonini in the second round, but he came through that one uh, in, in, in three sets. I think he lost the first set quite heavily there, but managed to really regain the momentum. Uh, he beat Radu Albot in the first round. That was quite comfortable, if I remember correctly. And then, of course, Aslan Karatsev, the form player of the year. Um, I think he he dispatched of him in straight sets as well in uh, in the third round. That was really a really eye catching victory. Then a, a tricky one against Diego Schwartzman. That one went the distance. The Argentinian player, you know, really gave his all in that match. But Corda just had too much power, too much fire in his belly. He really loves it in uh, in the US, obviously having that breakout run to the final of Delray Beach at the start of the year. And he's backed it up incredibly well this week. Um, so, yeah, just to start with Corder, obviously we'll move on to Andre Rublev, but he really has been one of the one of the standout players at this tournament. Yeah, for sure. It's been really impressive, not only beating Karatsev in straight sets, but only dropping three games on the way, winning it 6-3, 6 love. I think that's a result that none of us really saw coming at all. Uh, Karatsev being... You know, I've described him a few times now as, as the best player of the year so far, really um, just surprising the whole tennis world by rising from his ranking of a, about 130 to being top 30 in, in just a couple of months. But um, that result really, really surprised me. I definitely think Corda had a chance uh, before the match, but I would not have expected if that was going to go either way in terms of a thrashing. I mean, it would have would have definitely gone for Karatsev. So a really impressive win. 
and uh, yeah, a great win over Diego Schwartzman, who'd actually surprised me himself uh, this tournament, um, looking really solid. I, he came through uh, a match against Manorino the round before, who we know can be a, a tricky opponent, and I did think on the hard courts, uh, Manorino might actually beat him there, but um, you know, Schwartzman was looking really good, and Calder's definitely really impressed uh, coming through this far in the draw and and before this week quarter had never actually won a masters match he'd only ever played one masters match in cincinnati last year uh, when he lost to emil rusabori who i know we'll talk a little bit about later um but yeah just a, a fantastic week for him just playing his second ever masters and he could be he could be in a semi-final it's going to be a very very tough match against andre Rublev, their first meeting um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really, really impressed with Corder this week. And I feel, though we've known about him for probably about half a year now, probably just post the first suspension of play, um, I feel this is a real breakthrough week for him. Yeah, definitely should see a nice leap in the rankings, even if he does does go out here. Obviously, the the nature of the point distributions at one thousand level being you know quite generous, and uh, yeah, no, really, really good to see him. And yeah, hopefully that with that ranking boost, he'll be a main draw player rather than having to go through some tricky qualifying uh, efforts um, in, in tournaments as the year progresses. Moving on to the Russian, I just had a quick look at the. Uh, betting markets who, who's the favorite now obviously with Medvedev going out last night and it was sits pass very slimly um ahead of uh, ahead of Rublev to 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 take the title but the Russian has, has not dropped a set yet in the tournament he's beaten Tennis Sangren Martin Fuchovitz of course who he loves to crush the dreams of in the last few weeks I think he's beaten him at least three times um and then a Possibly a, a, a banana skin in, in Marin Cilic, he came through in, in straight sets, of course, in the last round. Cilic getting some good wins and, well, starting to look a little bit more like himself, if at all. Um, you know, arresting the slide down the rankings that we've seen from the Croatian in, in recent months. But it's been he's gone from strength to strength, really, Riblev. Um, it was, would have been disappointed from his loss to Karatsev in Dubai, the semi-final, um, a couple of weeks ago. So to really put that behind him and make these wins look very routine, you know, Fuchovic and, and Cilic are, are solid wins. Korda, you'd have to say, is probably playing better than all three of those players right now. So it could be his, his toughest test of the tournament. But I do make him strong favourite. I think with his experience at this level compared to Korda, it'll be tricky. Um, the young American will throw everything at him. But I think I'm just going to go for Rublev in straights. So I think two close sets might be on the horizon, maybe a, a seven, six, six, four, something like that. Just thinking in the big points, in the big moments, Riblev against players of lower rank than him in the rankings. He's definitely been very, very consistent. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah, he's definitely got, got the armory to, to, well, pick apart the, the, the game of, of the young American who I'm, I'm sure will leave the tournament or whatever stage he does with his head held high. Yeah, Rublev uh, also been really impressive this week. The win really standing out for me is the one against Vucevic, uh, who's been on really good form the last couple of months. Talked about him quite a bit on the podcast. Um, Rublev only dropped three games uh, as well in that match, uh, 6-2 and 6-1. And uh, so really, really impressive result uh, against the Hungarian. And as you say, beating him three times uh, in the last couple of months and then also getting a walkover win against him. 
uh, as well as that. So I mean, that's crazy. They've been drawn against each other four times in the space of about a month. Um, yeah, really impressive from Rublev. Um, it's surprisingly only his second ever Masters quarterfinal, and he's going to be bidding for his first ever market um, Masters semifinal. Um, having lost his only quarterfinal so far in Cincinnati 2019, he lost to Medvedev. Interestingly, Rublev was actually a qualifier uh, in that tournament when he made that one quarterfinal. So maybe shows that... Uh, he has struggled a little bit in the Masters to deal with the pressure once he has become a seeded player and got into them automatically, although we know that there has been a, a reduced number of Masters since he really rose to the top of the game with the whole uh, pandemic, only having three out of nine last year. Um, so, yeah, I think this is an opportunity that, although we're really expecting him to take, uh, there is a lot of pressure that comes with it. It is still a sort of milestone for Rublev to reach that first Masters semi-final and um, potentially a, a big match against Stefan Sitsipas in the semi-final. Um, so I, I I think Rublev, definitely strong favourite, has looked very good this week. You know, Sam Grenfitsovic and Chilich are all players that certainly could have beaten him. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't write quarter off in this match. Um, Rublev's Masters form has been questionable at times. Um, but his tour outside, uh, his form outside of the Masters has just been incredible. So if he can sort of translate that 500 form we've been seeing him show uh, into this match, then he, he, sh he should get through it quite comfortably. Yeah, both in agreement there. I think Andre Riblov. I, I'm, I feel pretty confident about him making the final. I'm not going to lie, even whether it be Hercash or Sitsapasi would play in that semi-final. But moving on to the second one before. We look a little deeper into the draw. You've got Ube Herkash, the Polish player, after three excellent wins this week. He beat Dennis Kudler in the second round, who has had a poor last couple of years, but on home soil and also beat informed Jeremy Shardy in the first round. So maybe a, a trickier one than it looks on paper. Then, of course, he beat Dennis Shapovalov, who beat him last week in Dubai, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, that, that, was, that was a good win for Herkash. And then overcoming Milos Raonic in three sets in the last round, of course, very impressive. So, you know, at the age of 24, looking to break into that top 30, this is definitely going to be a test for Tsitsipas. I was surprised to see that the Greek has a 7-1 head-to-head record over Herkash. I mean, I didn't even expect them to have played that many times. But um, so, yeah, very, very dominant. The 22-year-olds come through the tests against Demir Dejuma, Kai Nishikori and Lorenzo Soniga. I think he's only dropped the one set to the to the Japanese player along the way. So comes in in, in good shape. Um, obviously, he's recovered quite well from that loss in the Acapulco final to Alexander Zverev, you probably say. Uh, you know, well, transferred his form into this tournament better than the German did, of course, going out early on to Emil Rusevori. But this match is probably the more interesting one for me. Uh, the head-to-head -head record did surprise me. I think Herkash could pose a really, really strong test to Sitsipas. I, I think they played um, just off the top of my head in Rotterdam. I think that would be the last meeting. And it was a, a three-setter, I think. And, um, you know, a really good match where Sitsipas was able to dig deep and win a, win a tight final set. I can see something like that coming to pass again. Um, you know, Herkash doesn't have the weapons or agility and, um, yeah, just the mobility of a player like Sitsipas, but he's very solid. Um, he's very consistent. Um, you know, he's a reliable player. You don't, you know, we see often see him 
get to this stage and sadly lose to a player of Sitsipas's calibre. Um, so I think maybe, maybe you know, he sees this as a time where he can he can really go for it and hopefully get what would be one of one of the biggest wins of his career if he was able to make it. Um, we could see uh, obviously a rematch of that Delray Beach final in the semi-final here if Corda and Herkash both progress. Uh, obviously, looking very unlikely, but yeah, this one, this one could go go the distance for me. I think it's hard to say, but that head-to-head record is too strong for me to really feel like I can argue that Herkash will win the match. So I'll go for six to pass in three sets, but definitely this will be a cracking one to watch. Yeah, interesting match this. I think uh, looking at that head-to-head, Voa is very much in favour of Sitsipas. Uh, five of those eight meetings going to a deciding set, uh, only three of them being in, in straight sets. Uh, and at Masters 1000 level, they're actually one all. Uh, Herkash's one win against Sitsipas came at the Rogers Cup 2019, uh, that also being in, in three sets. Uh, so perhaps a sort of level that Herkash feels a bit more comfortable at against Sitsipas. Um, I've, I've watched a bit of Herkash play this week against, uh, I saw him play Shapovalov uh, from Ryanich, saw lengthy segments of those matches. And I think I said to you on our DMs, uh, it's probably the best I've actually seen Herkash play. Uh, he's looked really, really impressive against both of them. I, I thought Shapovalov actually looked quite impressive against Herkash. So, um, to, to take that win in straight sets is really, really impressive. Um, Herkash has, has never been uh, into a Masters semi-final himself. He's only made one quarter-final uh, in, in the past, losing to Federer a couple of years ago in Paris. Um, Sissipas, interestingly, has never lost uh, a Masters quarter-final. Uh, he's only ever made one semi and one final, but uh, every quarter-final, so that would just be two, uh, both quarterfinals he's been in, uh, he has won. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think an interesting matchup is one I definitely make Sissipas favourite for just because of that head to head record. Um, but it, it is tough to say. I mean, I, I put uh, Nishikori to beat Sissipas uh, in our predicted draws. I just felt Sissipas looked a little bit off of late uh, and, and might struggle to get this far. Uh, he, he has looked good, to be fair. Lorenzo Sinego in straight sets is, is certainly a, a good result, a player that can definitely uh, pose threats to players. Just ask Novak Djokovic that. So, um, yeah, I, for me, I'd, I'd go Sitsipas, but I'm going to say it's going to be another lengthy match uh, in, in, in three sets. Uh, which I'm not sure if that might have been what you just said as well. Um, and I, I realised I don't think I actually gave a prediction for the last one. Uh, for the last one, I'll go for Rublev in straight sets. Um, but yeah, I, I think definitely an interesting match and uh, one that does really excite me because Herkash is he's not just a big serve. He's got quite a lot of weapons in his game, but uh, he has got a fantastic serve. Uh, his second serving against Shapovalov and Reinich, he can really use that second serve as a a weapon which a lot of players lack in their game. You know, we've seen players like Alexander Zverev uh, having real problems with his second serve of late, but I was really impressed with uh, how Herkash was hitting those second serves um, against Shabonalov and Ryanich. So, you know, if he can use the serve to his advantage and, and really exploit the, the ground strokes that he has, then he can definitely be a be a match for Sitsipas tonight. Yeah, so there you go. I think, yeah, we're both in agreement for these two remaining quarterfinals. I think, yeah, it's obvious, easy to say that we think Rublev and 
and Sitsipas will go through as heavy favourites for the match. But particularly that Uber Herkash and the way he's playing at the moment, he's had a solid year so far. Um, so could definitely pose a tough test to the Greek player. Moving on to the one uh, setup semi-final that we have, and that was after two very impressive wins last night for an older statesman in Roberto Bautista, who turns 33 next month, and he faces the young Italian Yannick Sinner, still 19. He's going to be 19 till August, so we're going to be saying 19-year-old Yannick Sinner until virtually the, the, the last sort of exchanges of the season which is yeah really really incredible the, the form he's showing world number 31 at the moment he's got a two nil head-to-head record over Baltista a good one of those matches coming in a in an exhibition and then one coming uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, I can't quite remember maybe I can't quite remember where it was might have been Dubai yeah yeah okay so yeah 500 level um, in the last tournament so I'm sure he'll take some confidence from that. It was a sort of dramatic last last set um, type match. It wasn't a, a yeah last set victory for the Italian there. But onto Bautista, he's come through the challenges of well, he got a walkover over Lloyd Harris, the informed South African, in the first round. So that was quite quite a nice uh, steady footing into the tournament. Then he came through three set matches against big servers in Jan Leonard Struff and John Isner before one of the most eye-catching wins of the week, beating Daniil Medvedev 6-4-6-2 um, last night, which was came as maybe a little surprise, but given the form he's shown this year, you can't have said it, it was out of the question. Of course, he made the finals in uh, Montpellier and Dubai, losing to David Goffin and then Nicolas Basilashvili. Two finals that I, well, he went in as favourite and I, I could see the Spaniard winning. So he's clearly still got the bit between his teeth here and I'm sure he'll be feeling pretty confident that he can make the final here. But Yannick Sinner has produced some unbelievable form again, really, uh, after some disappointing losses in the in the last few weeks particularly one in the first round of Aliash Bedene in the last sort of month or so was a bit disappointing it's still yet to add to that one title that he won at the back end of last year I think as you know I think he might have won one of those Great Ocean Road Melbourne sort of tournaments yeah at the start of the year so he's got the two uh, he beat Hugo Gaston the youngster in the second round then Karen Hatchinov which was a really real epic match one of my favorite matches of the tournament so far that match between Sinner and Hatchinov before sweeping aside Emil Rusevori in straight sets, the victor of Sasha Zverev, of course, and then Alexander Bublik last night. The Kazakhstani player had, had had a really good week, um, you know, some really good wins over Taylor Fritz, um, you know, just producing some really good tennis and another player that's been pretty consistent in their form this year and another player, similar age as Hubert Urkash, I think maybe Bublik, sort of 23, 24 um, really looking to kick on this year. So, you know, we can't underestimate that win, uh, despite probably the Hatchinov one really standing out for me. The Russian player was looking strong in that match, but Sinner, despite looking like he was uh, physically hit a little bit by the intense heat in Miami, was in, able to dig deep and come through that. And winning two matches in straight sets following it brings him into this match in, in really good shape. For me, it's, it's a very, very tough one to call. Um so I'm definitely going to pie it off to you first and then maybe use your your insight to see what I can base my prediction off. But yeah, this this really could be stylistically a, a really, really good match. Yeah, I'm very excited about this one. Um, you know, to, to see these two in a Masters semi is, is really, really pleasing with RBA uh, Batista being a player that we're really keen on, uh, even though 
you know, he has been around a long time now. He's a real grinder, a real hard worker. It's great to always see him in the draws and a great watch always. Uh, and Sinner, you know, uh, end of last year, I, I tipped him to be top 10 by the end of the year. I was starting to hesitate a little bit uh, with with recent results. It's still obviously a huge ask for him. But uh, obviously winning those back-to-back titles, it was, uh, with the one being, uh, I can't remember which one it was, right at the end of last year, and then winning the one of the Great Ocean Road or Murray River or whichever one it was uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, I think... Uh, in terms of Masters pedigree, I mean, Batista has obviously played loads of Masters. Uh, he's made one final, actually, um, that being in 2016. Uh, he lost to Andy Murray uh, in Shanghai. I believe he'd beaten Djokovic in the semi-final, so that being a really, really impressive win. Uh, this is only Sinner's third Masters tournament, and you know, to, to make a semi-final straight away. It's, it's been so impressive. I think the, the stat that really stands out for me, I think I, I told you this in the week, I can't remember who I heard this from, it might have been the one of the commentators on Amazon Prime, John Isner, who had battled in three sets against a fellow big-serving Felix Auger-Aliassime. Uh, John Isner, I think, had hit 100 ground strokes in that match or something like that. And against Hatchinoff, Sinner had passed that number of ground strokes within the first three games of their match, uh, three games against three sets, and he's hit more ground strokes uh, than, than Isner in that whole match, which is, oh, I know we've got to understand that Isner and Felix, uh, all seem a very big servers, you're going to get not very long rallies at all in that match, but that's just insane, and it, it shows that sort of Sinner and Hatchinoff we really hope that they're going to keep meeting up. I'd, I'd love to see those two getting to a Wimbledon final at some point in the future and, and playing each other. I think that would be a, a really brilliant watch. Or, or even if it was on clay, imagine that, how long the, the rallies could be. Um, in terms of my prediction for this match, uh, I make Yannick Sinner slight favourite, for it to be honest. Um, despite that amazing win against Medvedev last night that Batista got 6-4, 6-2. Not a result I saw coming, to be honest. Um, I think there's maybe a wider conversation to be had with Medvedev. I don't know if you want to have it now or or on a later pod, but I I think it's interesting with those losses to Lajevic and and now Batista Rukut, who, of course, is, is no... It's no shame in losing to him, but uh, especially the, the scoreline as well. Um, I'm wondering if we're maybe seeing a little bit of a sort of mental fatigue from Medvedev after that that real crushing that he faced in the Australian Open final against Djokovic, which a lot of people, including myself, actually thought he could win. Um, but that that's a wider conversation to, to have another day. Um, but I think Sergio has looked fantastic. Uh, in that win and beating John Isner, who loves Miami himself. Um, but I'm going to go for Yannick Sinner in straight sets. I'm going to go for the 19-year-old to, to really, really impress. Um, to, no, not tonight, tomorrow night. Very bold. Uh, I'm swinging the opposite way to you for, in terms of this match. I'm just tracing my mind back to sort of victories this year and high profile victories and for Yannick Sinner I know he's done well at sort of 250 circuit but I can't really remember too many outstanding wins over sort of top 10 top 15 players. Baltista Rugut has already beaten Dominic Team and Andre Rublev and now Daniil Medvedev uh, on the hard courts this year so I'm going to stick with him you know 
they were probably quite taxing wins against Stroff and Isner, but coming through against Medvedev in, in such good fashion, I can't can't really take uh, take uh, knock him out in in this one. I think, yeah, I just think his experience on tour, the heat will probably play a factor. You know, Sinner's done well to get past Rusevori and Bublik in in straight sets. I think if those ones went a little bit deeper, it might have got a bit tougher for him, considering. Well, I mean, he, he managed to produce his best tennis in the end against Hatchinov, but at times he looked like he was really, really fatigued in, in that match. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for Bautista a good. I think, I think he can do him in straight. So, uh, complete opposite prediction here. Uh, so, yeah, Bautista a good to make a, a third tour final of, of the year. Um, not sure whether he could go on and win his, win his first title of the year, but, yeah, definitely an informed player at the moment. And, yeah, Always, always a great watch, uh, as you mentioned before. So, yeah, I'm going to go Baltista a good in straights. Um, I, as I hinted towards earlier, I'm, I think Andre Rublev meets him in the final. And for me, yeah, I think the Russian takes this title and his, and his first Masters and continues his incredible form that we've seen in, in 2020 and, and now 2021. What about you? Uh, an early punt on, on the winner for the tournament? Hmm. Um, I don't know because part of me wants to go for one of Sinner, Batista, or get more just because we know they're in a semi final. There's two matches for them to win. But it is hard. I think Rublev Sitsipas is really, really hard match to call uh, if they do meet in the semi final. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to stick to my guns and stick to how I ended last year and, and saying that he was. Uh, the one, the real one to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for Yannick Sinner to win Miami uh, because, you know, why not? And the people listening to this podcast will hopefully forget about it in a couple of weeks after it's been run. No, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I don't think we've seen a 19-year-old win a Masters or maybe even get anywhere near winning a Masters in a very long time. So to see Sinner do it would be would be incredible really um and yeah so i'm i'm all for him i, I will probably be supporting him against baltista uh you know he's such a good player to watch and just makes us even more excited to see what what we're going to see from sinner in hopefully another sort of 15 years at the, at the top of his game um just moving on to a few honorable mentions obviously this is our first episode sort of after the tournament's properly got going so there's got to be a few players that deserve a little bit of kudos. I know Michael wants to speak about a few of them afterwards as well. Um, at the, I've, I've kind of just gone from the top to the bottom of, of the draw and uh, just sort of jotted down a few players that have recorded some good wins. The first one is Alexei Popyrin, of course, uh, won his first tour title this year. The 21-year-old Australian beat Felithiano Lopez and Riley Opelka in straight sets before a final set defeat. And Daniil Medvedev really pushed him pushed the Russian far in, in that match. So a good week for Poppy Rin. The second is one of my favourite players to watch on the tour in France is Tiafo. Uh, the 23-year-old beat Stefano Travellier, Dan Evans and Dusan Lajevic all in third set deciders. So, you know, he was really producing his best tennis in the, in the crucial moments this week before a loss as well to Medvedev. Uh, the third player is Emil Rusevori, another youngster, just 21 years old, the, Finla, uh, the Finnish player. He beat fellow precocious player um, Carlos Alcaraz in the first round before 
possibly possibly producing the result of the week, beating Alexander Zverev and then Mikhail Imer in three sets before losing out to Yannick Sinner. Mikhail Imer himself beat Tabilo in the first round, but then beat uh, Nikolas Basilashvili, which was a an impressive result in my opinion because I had Basilashvili to reach the semi final here. Of course, the Doha champion just a few weeks ago before he lost. Uh, an exciting match to Rusevori in the in, in the in the deciding set. Then just a couple of players, not as not as young as as the other guys. You got the 29 year old James Duckworth, a player who has had a really poor start to the year. Really, he's, he's had some mediocre losses on the Challenger Tour on the last couple of weeks, um, but he was able to come through Misha Zverev in the first round and then beat David Goffin, which was a bit of a shock in in the second round before losing out to Alexander Bublik. And then you've got Daniel Alahi Galam Riveros of Colombia, usually a good player on the, on the uh, clay circuit, but um, has produced definitely his, his best ever form on a, on a hard court uh, this week and could possibly be pushing to break into the top 100 for the first time after these results. He beat Thiago Saboff Wild first round and then Alex Diminor. Uh, letting down his Australian contingent. Some he's on a tricky one at the moment. Is Alex Diminoy definitely needs to come out the other side of this? Um, yeah, before losing out to Lorenzo Sonego. So there's the uh, six players that I thought deserved a little bit of praise, and um, yeah, have just uh, been pleasantly surprising in in their form this week in Miami. Uh, I know Michael would like to offer some encouragement and, and, and praise for some of those names. I think the one that really stands out for me um, being uh, Alexei Popyrin um, actually saved three match points uh, in that second set against Daniel Medvedev, who uh, I think was... Uh, uh, yeah, saved three match points sorry, against uh, Daniel Medvedev in the second set uh, before going on to win it. Uh, and, then, and then obviously Medvedev going on to win that match in the end. Um Really, really impressive. And, uh, yeah, Rusevori as well, uh, a player who I, I still don't think I can claim to have watched much of him. Uh, I know he, like Corder, kind of uh, surfaced at the same sort of time, came up just after the suspension of play last year. Um, and, and some really, really fantastic wins uh, this week, especially uh, beating uh, Alexander Zverev, who had really surprised us by by winning. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can count it as a huge surprise, but it surprised me, especially beating um, Sitsipas in the Acapulco final. Uh, I was expecting a bit more from Zverev, but then um, fantastic win for Rusevori. Um, I think that's what the advantage of a tournament like this when the big three don't play. Obviously, you, you do want to see the big three there because you'd rather have players like Sinner, Rublev, Batista winning the titles by beating the, the, the credible players uh, in, in, in the big three. But uh, it is always really exciting if they don't play because it does allow people who, you know, have Amazon Prime or whatever and, and can watch it and who maybe aren't used to seeing some of these names. There's certainly some names that they'll remember from this week. And uh, I think Alexei Popyrin. Uh, for me, just had a, an outstanding week, and we'd seen him. I think it was was it Singapore that he won a, a few weeks ago, um, and he he looks like he's carrying on that form uh, himself. So I'm hoping that uh, in in the next, and obviously we're going on to the clay courts. So I'm not quite sure how he fares as a clay court player, but um, come the sort of grass court season, it'll be really nice to uh, see him playing at the top of his game. 
Yeah, good for the Australian fans and seeing a little bit of a regression in Alex Dimonor's fortunes. You've got Alexei Popurin definitely coming up at the game at just 21 years old. Just to finish our update, our uh, verdict on, on the Miami Masters so far, we're just going to touch on one first round match that took place with the world number 316, the 19-year-old British player Jack Draper taking on Mikhail Kukushkin, the 33-year-old Kazakhstan player. He's recently dropped out of the top 100 now. Jack Draper retired after losing the first set 7-5, um, kind of collapsing due, due to the heat during that last point, um, receiving quite a lot of medical attention straight afterwards. Um, I haven't heard anything to the contrary, but I'm pretty for sure, you know, he's made a full recovery. It was just, uh, yeah, very, very intense heat and uh, he, he was struggling from fatigue and, yeah, it was it was quite hard to watch, really. I think he gave a good account of himself overall in in that first set against Kukushkin, and maybe with a little bit of bias coming in, not sure, but I definitely thought he looked the more likely to take that opening set as we were moving into the into the closing exchanges of it. But then he kind of just fell a cloth fell off a cliff in terms of his energy levels, and sadly just could could not couldn't come out the other side of it and was completely drained um, and, yeah, it was quite a harsh introduction onto the ATP tour for Draper. Um, yeah, obviously, I haven't heard anything from the con- to the contrary, but I'm pretty sure, you know, he's going to make a full recovery and is fine despite, despite the physical issues. What did you make from that first set as a performance from Draper? And, yeah, I mean, I think the heat in Miami has got to the best of people at times. So, hopefully... You know, just one that you can take on the chin and and learn from it in the long run. Yeah, I think um, retirement aside, uh, he really, really impressed me in this match. Uh, falling the early break behind to Kukushkin. In fact, even before that, his first service game was a very long game. Uh, he had to save, I think, three or four break points in that game. Um, and the fact he got through it was a really, really early sign that the guy seems to have some, some proper mental strength. Um, then he did go a breakdown, but he got it instantly back, you know, against a player, Kukushkin, who's been about on the tour a long time, former top 40 player. Um, you know, I, I, he, he's been in tennis since I started watching it. Um, so for someone like Draper, a 19-year-old on his first sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, do, do you say it was his first ATP match as he, or he might have played at a yeah, He got the wild card, him. unless he got a wild card into Wimbledon or, no, nah, he wouldn't have been old enough. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm pretty certain yeah. it's his first main I'm not, match. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if he would have played a Queen's first round or something just with a wild card, but, um, you know, it's, especially at Masters 1000 level, it's definitely his first match and, um, it was really impressive from him. He was hitting the ball really well. He was really taking it, Kukushkin, uh, being being very aggressive. And it's a shame to see what happened at the end. Um, I, we can't read too much into it, I guess, you know, when a player is as ex- inexperienced as Draper, he's probably not been used to those conditions uh, before. I, I do notice, actually, just looking at his record, uh, his last match before that match, uh, he retired uh, over in Sharm el-Sheikh in a quarterfinal uh, the Futures match. Now, I don't know the reasoning behind that uh, that retirement, but he's now had two retirements in a row. Um, so I'm hoping for the 19-year-old that fitness isn't a problem. I, I don't know too much about his sort of medical history or anything, but um, I'm hoping that he, he for his sake, that uh, he's not sort of injury prone and perhaps doesn't quite uh, have a lot in the tank when it really does come to these these 
grinding moments. But, you know, of course, he's only 19. And I think that performance especially will uh, definitely, he's definitely guaranteed a, a wild card into Wimbledon uh, this year. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. Um, and we'll hopefully get to see him as well playing at tournaments like Eastbourne, Queens, uh, maybe the, the Challenger tournaments in, in Nottingham. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see him in the future. And it, it was a real shame this match. But although he did retire in the circumstances that he did, I do think overall it was a, a really, really encouraging performance from the 19-year-old. Yeah, hopefully he's got the right people around him at, at the moment to sort of uh, give him the right advice, um, pick him up, definitely. And, um, yeah, just make sure he can come through the other side of this quite a a harrowing experience to sort of collapse on court in the first uh, first match on on the main tour but no definitely some plenty of positives to take out of that first set of tennis from Jack Draper uh, that concludes our verdict on the Miami Masters to this date um well at the time of recording yeah just ahead of that final set of quarterfinals tonight and to finish the episode we'll be taking a probably an extended break from guess the player for now uh so michael's prepared a little bit of trivia to test uh to test my knowledge all the same yeah i'm sticking with sort of the masters 1000 theme um quite tricky this actually i, I think when i was writing it i realized it was trickier than i thought it was going to be um but we'll, we'll see how you do. Um, I've got uh, a few clues that I can help you along the way with. So basically what I'm going to tell you now is since the beginning of 2017, there have been eight players who have made their debut Masters 1000 final. They have lost that final and since then have never made a Masters 1000 final again. So it's kind of like the, uh, the, the one-off final men since... Uh, 2017 that they but they did all lose these finals I know there's a, a couple of people who have actually won Masters titles and uh, not been in finals since um, maybe a little bit of guesswork uh, needed with these but once you've, you've had a guess and, and, and you get stuck I can tell you the um, the events and the years and who they lost to which uh, I know for some of these will definitely trigger the memories of, of when they happened so yeah you've got eight players since 2017, they've all just been in, in one Masters final, the only one of their career, and uh, haven't been in one again since. Okay. Um, while you were reading that, I've jotted down five names. I can't say I'm certain about a few of them. Um, the first one seems a while ago now, so I'm a bit worried it was a bit earlier than 2017, but I think Filip Krajinovic was probably around then. Yeah, Cincinnati 2017 lost to Grigor Dimitrov. So, uh, oh no, sorry, that's sorry, no, Paris 2017 lost to Jack Sock. I've given you a, a little clue there. One of them is Cincinnati 2017 right, lost yeah. to Dimitrov. Okay, yeah, uh, my second one is Dusan Lajevic. I think it was Monte Carlo. Yeah, correct. Monte Carlo 2019 lost to Fabio Fanini. Uh, you've got Denis Shapovalov. Yeah, correct. Uh, Paris 2019, losing to Djokovic. Okay, this is where I yeah stumble a little bit. Um, Stefanos Tsitsipas? Uh, no, um, he has made finals before, but I think he's made two finals uh, before uh, and lost them. So, yeah. 
Um, yes, and also it's best. Uh, Milos Raonic was another one. Yeah, Raonic uh, again has made uh, two Masters finals. Uh, I think I saw when I was looking through, uh, and one of them came in in 2016, actually. So no, not not Raonic. Uh, right, that's where I struggle. I'll, I'll rattle off three more names just so I could yep. have had the chance to get eight out of eight. Um, tricky one, though. Zverev's obviously won a fair few. Medvedev's won a fair few. Rublev never made a final. Uh, Kei Nishikori? Uh, no, I believe uh, Nishikori had made a, a final prior to 2017. But he, he, I know, has never won one. But uh, no, not not quite a score. You're getting very close with these, though. Uh, I know, David, yeah, they're David all... Goffin? Yeah, David Goffin is one. Uh, made his first Masters final in Cincinnati 2019, uh, losing to Daniel Medvedev. I think that was Medvedev's first uh, Masters win, possibly, or, or at least second. Finish off. I'll go for Roberto Bautista a bit. No, uh, Batista obviously made that one final, but that was in 2016, uh, Shanghai, when he lost to Andy Murray. I guess you got four out of eight, which I think is very respectable. Um, there are some real tough ones in here. Uh, I'll, I'll start off with um, the, the first one. I'll give you the event and the player he lost to. This, for me, is by far the hardest one. This has completely escaped my memory. Uh, this player made the Monte Carlo 2017 final and lost to Rafael Nadal. Monte Carlo 2017. If you struggle, oh, I can I give think you. I've got it actually. Yeah, yeah. Have you got it's it? Albert Ramos Finolas. It is Albert Ramos. Yeah. Um, completely slipped my mind. Uh, but yeah, Albert Ramos making that final and losing to Nadal. The second one uh, being that one that I, I accidentally said earlier. He got to the 2017 Cincinnati final and lost to Grigor Dimitrov. Now this did surprise me because I I just don't remember this happening. But it's a player yeah. that we we talk about a lot. That's um. Quite a bit of a clue. Um, I mean, it's a bit vague, but no, I'm not sure to be honest. Uh, no, I don't know to be honest. Okay, Australian. Uh, what Kyrgios? Yeah, I don't. I didn't remember this happening. But Nick Kyrgios made the uh, uh, Cincinnati uh, Masters final, losing to Dimitrov. Um, the, so just two more. Um, this player got to the Shanghai 2018 final and lost to Djokovic. Um, a player who I think we were quite excited about at one point, but has really uh, failed to live up to that that final in uh, Shanghai. Borna, Borna Choric. Borna Choric, correct. Yeah, uh, well done. Still got time. And that last one. That uh, that last one is. Um, Making one of it's a little bit of a trick in the sense that when I say they've never made a Masters 1000 final since, I mean, I think this was the last one, Masters 1000 possibly of last year or, or possibly the second last. Uh, this man made the final of Rome uh, last year and lost to Djokovic in Rome. Um, nothing really stands out when you say Rome. I just think of Lorenzo Massetti over those few wins. Uh, not really sure, to be honest. Um, someone will write on clay. Christian Garin. No, uh, it was that was Diego Schwartzman uh, making that final. Um, so I'll I, I give you six out of, of eight, I think, uh, with, with Kyrgios and, and Schwartzman probably. Uh, well, obviously, I gave you Schwartzman and Kyrgios uh, sort of pushed you into. But yeah, no, I, I thought that was quite hard, actually. But um, I've got a few names there uh, that... 
really does escape you. I think because we do have so many Masters tournaments, uh, it's easy to forget things like Nick Kyrgios making a Masters final, which I really don't remember, even though I feel like I should because I'm a, I'm a Nick Kyrgios fan. But uh, yeah, uh, that was your, your bit of trivia. Um, I hope you got a few of them at home uh, when, as you were listening. Uh, and yeah. All right, perfect. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that nice little switcheroo from the five clues of of, of one individual player. Uh, so yeah, that, that 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 brings us to the end of this episode. I'm very excited for these final uh, five matches uh, on the men's side in in Miami. Uh, thanks for joining me as always, Michael. And uh, yeah, we, we'll be back to review it and uh, and look ahead to some more tournaments at the start of next week. <laughs>